Welcome to another edition of What the Cross Means to Me devotional program. This is your host, Rob Holt, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you as we contemplate fresh perspectives on the meaning of the cross. These devotionals are taken from a book called What the Cross Means to Me. They are a collection of original essays contributed by a cross-section of Christian leaders. And today's devotional is by Chuck Colson. The book refers to him as Charles W. Colson. But Chuck Colson was well known for his work in the political scene. He had risen to become a right-hand man of Richard Nixon and was very instrumental in some of his successes, but also got caught up in the Watergate scandal. I don't know much about it. I was seven years old at the time, so not know much about Watergate or how or why he was sentenced to prison uh, in 74. But with that as the backdrop... Allow me to read his essay, entitled, Freedom, by Charles W. Colson. We begin. The summer of 1973 was one of the darkest times of my life. I had loyally served Richard Nixon, President of the United States, occupying an office next to his for four years. Then came Watergate and personal calamity. I watched the president I admired and respected losing ground. I felt the prosecutor's noose tightening around my own neck. I saw everything I had worked for all my life crumbling. Washington in those days was a particularly ugly town. The papers were filled with charges and countercharges, as well as political debate that was particularly acrimonious. One summer evening, I visited an old friend and client. Tom Phillips was president at the Raytheon Company. He had told me earlier in the spring that during the four years we had not seen one another, that is, while I was in the White House, he had had an experience with Jesus Christ. I had no idea what he meant by that statement. But this August evening, I decided to find out. I knew I desperately needed something in my life. I knew I desperately needed to be like Tom, who seemed at peace and happy and fulfilled. That was the night that Tom Phillips told me about Jesus Christ and read to me from this wonderful little book by C.S. Lewis titled Mere Christianity. The chapter he read was on pride, the great sin, how a proud man is always looking down on other people and other things and cannot see something above himself immeasurably superior that is, God. 
Tom wanted to pray with me that night, but I'd never prayed except in church and by rote. He prayed. I didn't. But after leaving his home, I found I couldn't back my automobile out of his driveway. This former Marine captain and White House hatchet man was crying too hard to get the keys in the ignition. I called out to God, asking him to take me just as I was. Nothing has been the same in my life since then. Nothing can ever be the same again. What I know now for a fact, and what I experienced that night, is the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. And from knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and that I could be forgiven. If I did not know this to be a historic fact, I could not live with myself. I would suffocate in the stench of my own sins. That night with Tom Phillips, that was 28 years ago, but in many ways it was like yesterday. For hardly a day goes by that I do not think about the cross the price God paid to save me, the price of my freedom. I am so overwhelmed with gratitude that I can do nothing else but my duty in obedience to Christ. How else do you respond to someone who made such a sacrifice? And I pray every day, that I can live a life worthy of the sacrifice made for me on the cross. End of essay. Now on the essay page, there's a a quote from J.I. Packer, which says, The saving power of the cross does not depend on faith being added to it. Its saving power is such that faith flows from it. Brothers and sisters, what I took away from this essay is that freedom can be realized in any situation. It was not too long after Chuck accepted Jesus as a savior, that he lost his freedom in society. Meaning, a year later, in 1974, he was remanded to federal prison for his role in the Watergate scandal. However, this situation highlights an important aspect of the good news of the gospel. If you recall, in last week's episode, I mentioned how, and since my wife had accepted the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, that even though her body had died, she was actually still alive in Christ. Similarly, 
Since Chuck Colson accepted Jesus as his savior, then even though his body was imprisoned, he was still absolutely free. One of my mentors, Dr. Joel Holcraft, on his radio program, Seeds of Truth, referred to freedom like this, quote, Another aspect of freedom is our choice to submit to God's will and plan. Let me repeat that. Another aspect of freedom is our choice to submit to God's will and plan. What does that mean? I thought a lot about that. What does it mean for you? Well, for me, I, I find resonance in Colossians 1.13. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. At one time, we were held captive by Satan in a prison that our sins built. Jesus paid the price for our sins and set us free from Satan's hold. We were forgiven by the mercy and grace he showered upon us, and we were set free. Now you see, Chuck Colson, in this essay we just read, was set free from the virtual prison that sin had led him into. And then... Winfrey, his perspective and acceptance of going into an actual physical prison completely changed. But which is worse, a physical or spiritual prison? Selah. I remember years and years ago, I had a little bird that had escaped. It was the type of tropical bird that could not handle cold weather of the Bay Area or the native predatory birds in the area. I knew upon her escape she would not last very long. And it made me think. My brain contemplated this scenario. Huh. Huh. The bird thought freedom from the cage would be best. Hmm. It turned out that between no food she likes or needs was readily available, readily available. And as I mentioned, if she survived the territorial birds, she would succumb to a disease as the cold temperature would make her immunity crash. However, had she stayed in the freedom of the cage, she had her favorite food delivered to her, her area cleaned. She was in a warm and cozy environment and received love from her person that kept her immunity and spirits high. By submitting to the reality of her situation, she could not only live but thrive. And by giving into the natural desire to seek her own autonomy, she found herself completely alone in a dangerous environment 
and ultimately dead. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can sense a few of you asking or wondering, what is sin? Let's consider a few things. Is it a sin to eat food? Is it a sin to have a sip of alcohol? Or one glass of alcohol? Well, if it is, some of our Catholics need to be worried, our Catholic friends. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, is it a sin to play online video games? Well, the answer is no and yes to all of them, because it depends. If one eats too much, they can succumb to a number of diseases, let's say diabetes. If somebody develops a drinking problem, they'll succumb to myriad of diseases, let's say cirrhosis of the liver. If one finds themselves addicted to video games, they might be playing 12 to 18 hours a day. Um, they may not be sleeping good and their immunity suffers or they lose a job or drop out of school. And yes, I know a young man who did literally drop out of school to play video games. The point is, most innocent actions in our life could become a sin. The root of the word sin seems to be found in an archery application. Specifically, how an archer would have a spotter 200 or 300 yards away next to the target, and upon shooting his arrow, would listen for the spotter to yell out, if he had hit the target, or he, if he hadn't, the spotter would yell out, Sin! So another way to look at this is it a missing of the target is like not completing the task. It's not achieving your objective. It's not completing your goal. It's missing the objective that was set before you. So another way to look at this is that what may be a sin for one person may not be a sin for another. I was recently asked, is, is this a sin or is that a sin? My response was if God has a destiny for you and you choose not to live under God's autonomy and choose to do your own thing and then continue to choose actions and behaviors that, that, that cause you to drift farther and farther away from the destiny God had planned for you, that means there's a lot of sin along that whole journey. And many eventually find themselves in a complicated, painful, and in many cases, a very lonely place in life. However, good news of the gospel, by choosing to hit the target, by choosing to keep trying to hit the target, by choosing to, to grow from good to better, to choosing to stay under the shadow of God's wings, 
in seeking God's will and, and, and strive to fulfill your destiny in him, then I can almost guarantee you, brothers and sisters, you're going to find yourself, no matter where you find yourself, in a very simple but joyful and blessed peace, a peaceful place in life. Very fulfilled. And it starts by choosing the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross. In a practical application of this message today, achieving your destiny, we look at examples in the Bible. And yes, I encourage you to study the Bible, study the prophets of old, study the apostles, the disciples. It helps you see the forest for the trees. It helps you to realize the bigger plan that is a potential for you. But specifically, we look at a rags to riches and another riches to rags story. Moses was at the height of the best, top, most advanced society there seemed to be at the time, Egypt. He was living in Pharaoh's house. But through a series of unfortunate events, found himself a fugitive and found himself living as a shepherd for not one year or 10 years, not 20 years or 30 years, but lived as a shepherd for 40 years before God said, Moses, it's time to fulfill your destiny. And you know the rest of that story. Concluded with 40 years as leader of the Hebrews. The other one is Joseph, who was sold into slavery, was faithful at all the tasks put before him, but unfairly was sentenced to not just 10 years in prison, but 12 years in prison. An innocent man spending 12 years in prison. The Bible says he was faithful even in prison. No bitterness, but trust. Trust in God. Remember what I said at the top of this program, freedom can be realized in any situation. And by being faithful in prison, God promoted Joseph to be the second in command of the entire country of Egypt, which for most things that I've read was the top society in the world at that time. Similarly, Chuck Colson was faithful in prison. He accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, so even though he lost his freedom, he never lost his freedom. He served God just like Joseph did. He looked for ways to be a servant. He looked for divine opportunities. He was aware of what he saw in prison. He asked God for direction. And you know, not only did Chuck Colson start a prison ministry that grew to be the largest prison ministry in the U.S., possibly the world, an organization that is still strong, even though Chuck Colson has passed away several years ago, touching thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. You think about those prisoners that... He touched their lives. 
these men and women in jail, coming back to their families, coming back to their wives and kids with a new purpose, a new destiny to fulfill, and those kids growing up in a Christian home that probably wouldn't have. Reminds me of a phrase my pastor used to say a lot when I was growing up. He said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. So Chuck Colson not only founded the largest prison ministry that still exists today, he also made a series or was responsible for a series of prison reforms such that he received a medal of, Des- of, of honor. I forget the exact name of the medal, but it was a very prestigious medal of honor by President Bush in the early 2000s. So the encouragement today is to remember what I read after the essay, which is freedom can be realized in any situation. If you're addicted to drugs, if you're addicted to alcohol or visual sins or I could go through a long list, anger issues, bitterness issues, you can have freedom. It's really a choice. By choosing the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, we can start a blessed journey of living for God to our destiny in Him. The person who is in Christ is safe and secure from condemnation now and forever. He will not be judged as a sinner. He will not face condemnation, and he will never be condemned for sin. He shall never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ. So let me read that again. I'm going to put a special emphasis on one word that's twice in here. The person who is in Christ is safe and secure from condemnation now and forever. He will not be judged as a sinner. He will not face condemnation. He will never be condemned for sin. He shall never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ. To be in Christ means a believer. It means that a believer walks and lives by Christ day by day. A true believer lives and moves and has his being in Christ. Now, Dr. Holcraft brought to my attention that Paul, the Apostle Paul did not refer to these disciples of Christ as Christians. And it's very easy for a lot of people to say, Oh, I'm a Christian. And like we read in the essay, the chapter in Mere Christianity about pride, some people can use it as a defensive mechanism. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm fine. Okay, you're a Christian. Great. But are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? 
doesn't matter what you call yourself, how you living. To be in Christ means that a believer walks and lives in Christ day by day. A true believer lives and moves and has his being in Christ. If you're in Christ, it doesn't matter what happens in any situation. What's the worst thing that can happen in any situation? I don't know. You might die. Okay, well, guess what? If you're in Christ, that's okay. To be absent from this world is to be in the presence of Jesus. That's the core of what we're talking about here. Freedom can be realized in any situation. And it reminds me of Psalms 103, verse 12. I still can't get my head around this, but I accept it. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Meaning, if you accept that sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, and you are in him and he is in you, your transgressions are removed as far as the east is from the west. So if I'm on on the earth or on a globe and I go east, how far east do I have to go before I hit west? And if I'm going west, how far do I have to go until I hit east? The answer is never. (laughs) I'm never ever going to hit it. And that's God's grace. There is no limit. There's no end point. To God's grace. So accept the message that I'm sharing with you. If you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, Romans 8.28 says it's going to work out okay. Trust in the Lord. And if you're not in Christ, you're listening to this broadcast today, let me encourage you to pray that prayer that Chuck Colson prayed. Just simply reach out to God and say, please take me just as I am. That's it. My mom, who was a heroin addict, her prayer was, Lord, if you're real, change me. That's it. Ask God to change you. Ask God to help you realize your destiny in Him. Doesn't matter how far off the trail you've drifted, God can bring you back. It may be a 12 year journey like Joseph, a 40 year journey like Moses, it doesn't matter. You'll be back on the right path. So, with that, brothers and sisters, go in grace and may God keep you in his perfect peace.